Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like this show, give us that five-star review you've been waiting to give us. Come on, go on. And as always, we discuss MMA scoring and judging on this show, so you should learn how it all works. Read the criteria at abcboxing.com. Dan, we are returning from the long Thanksgiving weekend, which did not include any actual MMA action other than uh, the Triller Triangle. I, I, I wasn't really sure what people were talking about about that thing. <laughs> uh, I saw I, pictures. I was, I was aware of it, but kind of ignoring it. I saw Frank Mir look like he should stop fighting. Well, uh, I mean, I, real quick, I can tell you that Frank Mir realistically should never have been booked against a current heavyweight contender instead of uh, a past heavyweight contender who kind of allowed him to hang with him last time. So uh, hopefully this has disabused all of the people uh, who care about him of the notion that he could actually compete against a like decent boxer of today. I mean, grappling's becoming big, Frank. Go back to grappling. You can yeah. get paid there. You versus Gordon Ryan, that'd be pretty solid of a match. I mean, maybe he got a really good payday. I, he did, did seem to say that this was going to be one of the best paydays of his career. So, look, I get it, but, like, man, how much more do you want to do with this? And then I saw that Mike Perry won his fight, but the only highlight is of him getting dropped. I didn't see any of his highlights, so. I saw that he got dropped. I assumed he lost. I didn't investigate further. Yeah, he apparently he won by split decision. But Wait, I, Mike Perry won? Mike Perry won by split decision. What the hell? Uh <laughs> But I don't see any highlights for him, so I don't know well, exactly how. Oh, well. Yeah. We don't do boxing judging, but but generally speaking, because I haven't educated myself further on boxing judging, I'll say boxing judges suck. <laughs> no, I'm sure they're fine, but, you know, not always. <laughs> uh, we, we stick with the more complex uh, sport to judge of mixed martial arts with a lot more going on. Uh, and, you know, again, coming off of the Thanksgiving weekend, how was your Thanksgiving, by the way? It was good. You? It was a nice time. I know you, what, you don't like turkey, right? You're a weirdo? Not a turkey fan. I eat it one piece, uh, obligatory, but... Just just so that people don't call you out on it? Yeah, it's like, I, I, okay. I all right, I mean, now bring on the real part that's all the sides until okay. I can't eat anymore. My wife and I had a, a, a smaller Thanksgiving with our kids because I had to work that night. Uh, so I, you know, she made a nice turkey. She, uh, she slow cooked it or whatever. It was, it was delicious, nice and juicy. Uh, I'm, I'm a turkey guy. She's a huge turkey fan, so that was a nice thing. She made a great mac and cheese, a nice baked mac and cheese, a bunch of different things. She found like a good recipe. That's always good. Yeah, I think you would have liked this one as, as a, as a sides connoisseur. You would have been into it. Yeah, mac and cheese belongs on the Thanksgiving Day uh, menu. The Pantheon. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah. And some rolls. So, you know, typical stuff. Uh, but we had a nice time. But uh, now we're back at it, of course. There is a uh, couple of bigger, you know, non-pay-per-view fights coming up uh, this coming weekend, which we are looking toward. Bellator, they'll be up on Friday night. They have their bantamweight title fight between Sergio Pettis, the current champ, and Kyoji Horiguchi, who is the former champ who never actually lost that belt. That'll be a good one. And then Saturday, it's uh, Rob Font and Jose Aldo. Good uh, weekend of fights there. 
It is, it is. I'm looking forward to that. They're both at bantamweight. It's really interesting that we've got some of the best, four of the best bantamweights in the world across two promotions. So that's always nice. But before we dive into our past judgment that we'll be doing for this week, because we don't have any judging from the weekend to go back on, let's talk about Aldo. Aldo's somebody that I I saw his reputation starting to take a little bit of a hit uh, by some Twitter amateur over the weekend. And that kind of bothered me because I'm like, come on, bro. Why, Why are we recontextualizing people's legacies and their careers just now that they're near the end of their career and and of course still being pretty awesome what uh what was his beef with him okay so somebody uh put out a tweet and i don't want to give this person credit because they're stupid um but this person put it out a tweet that had on the left it was an image of jose aldo 26 and one against uh non-champions and four and six against Champions, interesting, which is just hot garbage. Because but, I mean, Peter as Young... many people pointed out, how can you beat champions when you've been the champion for so long? You're the one they're all fighting. That's just to silly. become the yeah. champ. I mean, it's I'm... just a garbage take. And I'm sure you know one of his losses from the champions is going to be counted as Peter Yan because he's champ after the fact. So uh, gonna... No, I, I, well, I don't know for certain, but I would assume it was actually uh, the, the one loss he had earlier in his career at lightweight before he got to the WEC, the UFC, and all that. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying on the champion side, they're adding oh. Jan as a loss against champions, oh, oh, even I though see. the fight wasn't a title fight. And yeah. It, and I mean, nothing to do. So it, it totally... I mean, it's... It's just a hit job, like to to call it that. It's like, what are you doing here? Like, here here's a stat for you, because I you know I'm, I'm a big uh, believer in utilizing FightMatrix.com to you know very easily look back at like what fighters have done in the past for the for the time they fought and put into context how good a fighter was at that period of time. It's easier than trying to search like sure dog top 10 rankings from like 2007 or something right so F- fight matrix is where i like to go they have these generated uh rankings that they use they have their their uh little i guess a system that rates the fighters or anything it's not perfect but it's a decent way to go back essentially that's why i'm i, I just want to introduce it like that but anyway back to aldo jose aldo has nine victories in his career against fighters who were considered top five at the point that he fought them in their weight class. Pretty only impressive. four, only, only three men, excuse me, have more. It's George St. Pierre, it's Anderson Silva, and it's BJ Penn. Three. That's the list. Yeah, three legends. Well, Aldo's a legend at this point, but... They're all legends. Yeah, every so. every one of them, they're all goats. So, like, uh, I'm sorry. If you want to go with a, with a stat there, that's Jose Aldo, who fought the best a lot. Yeah, I mean, I would have totally agreed with the guy if he's like, yeah, Jose Aldo pulled out of a lot of fights. I'd be <laughs> yes, like, you, you, you know what? like a lot of the stuff. Yeah, Aldo so Aldo. I'd be like, yeah, you got to agree with you on that. But uh, you've, you've always had kind of a complicated relationship, uh, not relationship, but a kind of a opinion on Jose Aldo. Why don't you elaborate on that a little bit? Great fighter. I want to see him fight. I get excited when he's about to fight. Next thing I know, he's not fighting no more. <laughs> I think the one time he fell off a of Vespa, I don't know what he's doing riding a Vespa. I, I think the report was it was he was barefoot at the time, and I think he, he suffered some kind of foot injury. Well, and I think that I don't like, remember that at all. By the way, I I, I want to say that was like MMA mania. I think that was like the headline. And I was like, God, this guy's just killing me. And uh, ever since then, well, I would say like, this: I am googling Jose Aldo Vespa right now as we speak, and nothing's coming up. So. It might have been motorcycle. Just like okay. Let's see, motorcycle accident. Yes, un- unhit 
uninjured after hit by car in Brazil motorcycle accident. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember. I don't particularly remember that happening, but obviously, yes, we looked it up. We can verify that. That it did indeed happen uh, in 2009, or excuse me, 2012, uh, as he was supposed to be preparing for, I believe it was the Frankie Edgar fight. Yeah. Who was scheduled to defend his title against. Frankie Edgar at UFC 153. That didn't happen. It was probably amplified because he was fighting Frankie. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm so, sure he felt that way. Uh, but whatever. Aldo's a legend. I love watching him fight. But I wish he didn't pull out of, of the fights earlier in his career. But what can you do? He's still around. Can't believe he's only 35. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, yeah, that's the crazy thing because the fight that we're going to be talking about in just a few moments will be uh, uh, Jose Aldo against Uriah Faber. And he was only, uh, what do I have? here in my notes now i'm kind of fast forwarding my notes i have him he was 23 years old at the time so yeah he was a, he was still a kid basically i mean 23 is not a kid but you know in fight years in fight years yeah i mean there's no 23 yeah. year olds that are doing what he's you know doing i've always been a, a big supporter of jose aldo I, his wec run in particular is just phenomenal just to watch he was absolute must view fighting action when he was coming up because you just didn't know he was going to explode at one point and it was over. It was, it was very much, he felt like the, the smaller version to me of Anderson Silva in that, like the, the violence he was capable of at any particular moment was going to be spectacular. So you were always edge of your seat. It was uh, always exciting. I mean, I wish, you know, he was, he'd stick with the leg kicks that he kind of got away from. He did uh, get away with that. And obviously in later years, but also I, I think what was, it made it a little bit harder to have that kind of excitement about Aldo in the same way as the years went on because he really just didn't get the finishes as much. He was very, he wasn't a point fighter, I don't think, but it it was his particular style was not finishing off guys anymore. He was doing real well. He was blasting them. We talked about the Mark Hominick fight uh, once on past judgment. Uh, he obviously had the the knockout with the knee to Chad Mendez at the end of the first round of their first fight uh and that was that was wild too but other than that i mean it really it was a lot of uh five round fights um the one against korean zombie that was stopped because of more or less an injury kind of led to the stoppage of that when he was he was winning he was cruising but yeah he didn't he kind of had a, a much less interesting i think ufc run i mean i was i was really excited i'm like well i'm gonna get to see aldo live against uh ricardo lamas yes and uh i was disappointed in that I was there for that one, too. So, that was the day before the Super Bowl. I covered both professionally, so that was a weird weekend for me, covering UFC and then Super Bowl in consecutive days. That's pretty cool, though. It was. It was. I have the uh, the press passes behind me as you and I are recording remotely for this one. Uh, it was too cold. Didn't feel like going out. So, yeah, it's it's nice. I've got my little Super Bowl one right back there. No one else can see that, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> go, go find the video version of, of the podcast. Look real hard. There is none. <laughs> one day maybe one day we should i mean we should but uh it's hard it's like you know our our recording studio when i do go to dan's uh is not the most showy recording studio i would say is that fair to say it's tough to decorate because of the the slanted uh ceiling i think we could make it work if it wasn't that you still have a ton of your clothes in there well yeah it's a basically a uh walk-in closet so it's i mean it's more than a walk-in closet we don't go in the closet and record but i mean it serves as that it serves as that. functionally speaking yes it's it's a room that you guys just keep a lot of clothes in or you do really it's all my clothes i know 
I saw them. You got a bunch of jerseys. Yeah. A bunch of pants, too. Yeah, and that I don't even wear. <laughs> you have like three times as many pairs of jeans as I do. Probably more. I wear I wear two pairs of jeans that are on that rack. That's it. <laughs> might, might be time to put some away, sir. Yeah, they're kind of away right now. <laughs> fair enough. That's fair. All right, but anyway, that's that's enough of Aldo. I, I you again, obviously, have had a little bit of a uh, issue with Aldo over the years, but I think it's hard to not respect him at this point, right? Oh no, I, I, I got to respect him. Amazing. And, and honestly, he was probably no more amazing in in a fight that he couldn't necessarily finish than he was in the fight that we were about to talk about, which is Aldo Faber, of course, uh, from the WEC pay per view, WEC forty eight. Uh, Dan, before we go into this one, because it's past judgment, I think we have to remind everybody how we score the fights here in this little fun segment that we like to do. Yes. The CSJ criteria is basically the same as the ABC criteria, which, as we mentioned earlier, is available at abcboxing.com. Like certified judges, we score rounds based on the three Ds, damage, dominance, and duration. We just made a few key changes. 10-9 round is a competitive round in which neither fighter checks one of the three Ds by a large margin. 10-8 can be considered for just one D, but should definitely be given when two Ds are achieved. A 10-7 is available for checking off two Ds, but must be given for all three. We've discarded tiebreakers for effective aggression and area control, as these are rarely used by judges anyway. The rare 10-10 would only be given in largely uneventful rounds. All this helps provide for more varied scores that should more accurately reflect what happened in a fight. All right, set it up. Faber Aldo. Yes, so this one, like I said, it was the WEC pay-per-view WC48 headliner for it at Arco Arena on, in uh, Sacramento, California on April 24, 2010. So we're going back 10 and a half years. Uh, it doesn't feel that long ago. I remember distinctly where I was, and uh, it definitely was that long ago. Anyway, uh, Aldo, like we said before, he's 23 years old at this point. He was 16 and 1. Uh, that one loss, by the way, was, like I said, 155 pounds. So at this point, nobody at his own weight class has actually beaten him. Uh, he is at 16, actually 16 and 0 at that point, because I believe that was his only fight at, uh, at lightweight, if I understand correctly. Uh, he had just won the featherweight title from Mike Brown by a second round TKO five months before this fight. Uh, so this was his first title defense. Uh, he has actually run six consecutive victories to start his WEC career that were either KO or TKO. So like I said, he was very much must see uh, TV whenever it was on on the versus network wow versus which is uh, long gone that is i don't even know if it's called nbc sports anymore i think actually it might be going away if i'm not mistaken i don't know there's a lot of changes made to the cable landscape these days but uh, you used to be able to catch these fights on wc wreckage remember that WC. i don't remember that name no that was the that was like their their highlight show of past fights uh, kind of like it was ufc unleashed was the one gotcha okay yeah i think it was the right one ufc unleashed on spike yeah. Right. Yeah, it was it was the equivalent to that on on, okay. uh, on versus network would have been fun if they just, you know, mixed them together at some point. But they didn't do that. And now we don't need it because we have fight pass and, and it's for it's very hard to find the fights you want to watch. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Faber, <laughs> Faber's coming to this one. He's 32 years old, much older. He was, you know, he's obviously very established, uh, 145 pounds, former top guy in the world. Uh, he has he was looking to get back to the belt that he had lost, actually, to Mike Brown a year and a half before this fight. He was two and two in his last four coming in with both losses in title fights to the vaunted current head coach at American Top Team, Mike Brown. He's really, by the way, real quick on Mike Brown, he really just has reinvented himself just incredibly as, as a former top fighter 
who's now very much a top coach. And that, that's not always an easy transition. Yeah, it's usually either you're really good at coaching or you're really good at fighting. And he's usually, good at both. Yeah. Credit to him. So Yeah. Um, and the fight before this, I should say, Faber uh, had just submitted uh, Rafael Sunsau three months earlier to set this one up. They they were at the point where they really wanted Faber to have the belt. I do as, remember. As this. it was kind I, of the case for like Faber's entire I, career. <laughs> I remember this time is when they really were pushing or hoping to get that Faber BJ Penn fight. I didn't particularly remember that. Yeah, but you that would because of your repeat your BJ guy. Yeah, that was like the ultimate, I guess, super fight that seemed possible at the time. And then Faber kind of kind of went downhill a bit. BJ Penn, of course, did not go downhill from 2010 onward, right? No, animal. All right, we're gonna go on the record with that one. Yes. <laughs> BJ, has I, will, no, I will disagree. BJ downhill? I don't think so. I'll just say everyone else got pretty good. I think this was actually like two weeks after BJ lost the belt to Frankie. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Moving on. We had him uh, winning. Ju- was that? We <laughs> had him winning that. So oh, stop. Anyway, the judges for this one were Abe Bellardo, Nelson Hamilton, uh, and Dan Stell. The referee was Josh Rosenthal, who I, I always think of as like one of the top referees at that point, uh, especially in California, whenever they were out there. Um yeah, he's, for whatever reason, I just always think of him as the California referee. Who's, there's a lot of WEC fights, I think. Um, but I, I should also note, before we get into the rounds for this fight, Dan, we do not have individual round scores for this fight. But at the end, I think I'll reveal the scores, and I think we can probably parse together what we really think happened in those fights as far as the, the score. Yeah, I'd say so. It's not too hard, uh, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, let's, let's get started, Dan. What's What's happening in round one? Pretty slow start to the to the first round. So I think both guys' best success came to the body. I don't re- recall all that much landing to the head from either guy. No, uh, not, not particularly. Nothing. Yeah, super bet, solid. Maybe about two minutes in, Aldo finally lands the best you know combo of the fight up to this point, finishing it off with a left to the body. Landed a strong knee. Uh, the knee was to really Faber. good. Faber decided he was gonna you know spam the one combo in the video game that was gonna work, and he hit you know the the two punch combo he just did about four times. The same exact thing in like a 15 second span. Aldo and Faber was never like a majorly strong striker. He did. It was like uppercut to the body overhand, uppercut to the body overhand. He did it like so, so many times in in such a short span. Aldo figured out, he's like, I'm just going to time it. And he landed that one big knee to the, to the stomach, you know, sent Faber to the canvas. I think it's a 10, nine Aldo. Yeah. I got 10, nine Aldo too. Um, This felt like a fight for, for Faber for like a good three and a half minutes. Before it really turned on, on kind of what you were saying, and when it went out, it started to really time him, and, and uh, it gets progressively uglier. But yes, this is a 10-9 round for Aldo. Um, I can understand why somebody may go the other way, because there is more activity from Faber, but I, I don't think the stronger strikes are being landed by Faber. I think they are from Aldo. Yes. And, and debatably, you may have even had a little bit more landed from Aldo. I think so. Yeah, it's hard to say, but yeah, I feel pretty good about this being an Aldo round. I don't really love it going for Faber here. I no, I, I think. I mean, I I think, like you said, we'll be able to figure out which round actually did go to Faber. Yeah, I mean, we'll circle back. But so this is this is a strong contender. <laughs> and round two, though, it starts to get progressively uh, uh, stronger for Aldo and worse for Faber. Yeah, the light kicks have arrived. <laughs> and I mean, that's the story of the round. Aldo is just yeah. slamming the lead leg of Faber. Faber is limping by the end of the round. Faber didn't land much outside of a couple low impact punches or, or teeps to the body. I think the damage is high. I, I'm going with Aldo 10-8. Yeah, I got an I got a 10-8 Aldo here. Um, 
I wasn't sure how you were going to go with it. Actually, I was wondering if I was being a little too um, loose with it, but I did feel that those leg kicks were so impactful to potentially finishing the fight. Even forget hindsight being what it is. I mean, just just looking at that round and what's happening there, Faber's really hurt. It. I wasn't there until Faber started to noticeably limp. Yeah, absolutely. So, that 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 was the change. I think if I think if he was able to disguise it a little better. Maybe I'm only saying this is a 10-9 round, but I think it it was just so apparent mm-hmm. that what Aldo was doing was problematic that you, you had to say, okay, this is this is a 10-8 in our system that you can go 10-8 here. I, I yeah. think this is firmly a 10-9 uh, in the actual ABC scoring probably of, uh, of the time and, and right. definitely of today. So, yeah, I, I, but I feel like, yeah, this is, this is why you have this 8 score in the middle for us as opposed to you know, what would be considered, I guess, like an eight and a half, right? I think you need that because it, it, this is not the same round as round one. This is, there's a lot more trouble that Faber is finding himself in because of what Aldo's doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Faber's in uh, a world of pain. Obviously. And it's only going to get worse. It very well, but yeah, obviously so. Uh, but yeah, so we have this as a 10 8 Aldo each. So that puts our cumulative scores at 20 to 17 for Aldo. Yep. What about round three? More leg kicks. Uh, at this point, I'm I'm shocked Faber is able to walk. Uh, if if calf kicks had been discovered as some super strike, the fight's over. <laughs> uh, Faber's just so worried about these kicks. He he's not keeping any stance and anything he throws. He's not really committing to because I, I think he's just worried about these kicks. Anything he lands, there's really no impact behind it. Aldo finally lands a, a head kick. Rocks Faber starts teeing off against him against the fence. And something in Faber's head must have clicked, and he said, I don't care what happens. And he, he throws his best punch of the entire fight. Big right that, you know, connects. But Aldo resets, chills out for a bit, gets back to work, drops Faber again with a leg kick, ends the round on top with, with some decent ground and pound. I went 10-7. I was borderline between 10-8 and 10-7, but I think, you know, Faber just didn't do enough. And I think Aldo really had the dominance and the damage. That's why I went there. No, I can understand that. Um, I disagreed and did go for the 10 8 uh you know i i didn't toy with the seven as much as you did i it certainly entered my mind thinking that maybe it could go to that seven range but i i think it was and mostly because like you said Faber really doesn't do very much in the fight but he does have that he has that little bit of success there right there's something um and i don't think you give it to him just because of that but i just didn't think i thought this was more in line with what happened in round two but to a stronger degree yeah Right. That's really how I saw it. So I thought this, you know, this really ought to just be uh, a 10, eight an hour system. So that was where I went. Uh, we're split there. Not, not so crazy for you to go that way though. This is, uh, that puts our scores just a little different though. I'm 30, 25 for Aldo. You have 30, 24. Yeah. Uh, Faber's in a bad way. He definitely is. And round four gets even worse. Yeah. This, this, I mean, Aldo out the gate hurts the leg, drops him with another leg kick, immediately mounts him. Takes the back, landing ground and pound. Faber explodes up to the feet, but it's not long before he's back down on the ground. Aldo's on top in the crucifix position for like, I think he was there for two full minutes. It was a while. I didn't time it, but but yeah, he was just, there a bit. Just dropping punches and elbows for that full two minutes. I don't think anyone would have had a problem with it being stopped. No, for, I don't I mean, think so either. I mean, and I, Actually, when I thought, when I was watching that sequence, it reminded me of, do you remember the 10th season of The Ultimate Fighter? The one with Kimbo Slice. Kimbo and Roy Nelson. And Kimbo and Roy Nelson, right? And, and Roy mm-hmm. Nelson gets that that crucifix position. And he's given elbows. And they're, they're like the softest little elbows. But yep. it's, it's so clear that 
Kimbo is going nowhere mm-hmm. that essentially he could die by a thousand cuts. So it, it was it was over. It was it was checkmate. So I kind of had the same thought here. I'm I'm not sitting there saying they should have stopped it, that Josh Rosenthal should have intervened. But like you, I kind of agree. Yeah, I mean, it could have been. And I would have been like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't defending himself and, you know, very intelligently. Granted, maybe the punches weren't going to knock him out. Like you said, death by a thousand cuts. But that's uh, it. Yeah. Intelligent defense. So, what, what's going on there? He was stuck and it seemed like a full two minutes. I, this was an easy 10-7. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you 100%. 10-7. No question. Um, not more, not much more to add. It was, again, I don't think there was one thing where you're like, oh man, Faber's in monster trouble, like his brain or something like that. You know, I didn't think he was hurt quite to that degree, but obviously, uh, there's enough damage, dominance and duration here that three D's are very easy to check off for what would be a 10, eight, uh, by modern standards. And that means it's a 10, seven in our system. Cause that's how we do it. Yep. So I have now, because again, we have a slight difference in our current scores. I am at 40 to 32 for Aldo, and you're at 40 to 31 for Aldo. And since you can't get a a, a 10-0, <laughs> Faber needs a finish. It's the only way he can win. And obviously he doesn't get it because we're talking about a five-round fight here. Um, but, uh, I mean, what happened? I mean, is the, does the dominance continue for Aldo, or is it does it kind of take off the gas? No, What's going on? Yeah, he, uh, bringing it back to what you said earlier, you know, Aldo, you know, Stop kind of finishing. In, in, in this round, he totally was like, "No, I gave my best shot to finish him in the fourth. Didn't happen. I'm just gonna just gonna kind of cruise here." And in his cruising, he was he was much better than than Faber. I thought this yeah. was a pretty easy call for Aldo. Ten nine. There uh, really isn't a whole lot of offense for either guy. Aldo is smashing him every time. Faber is just diving at the legs and rolling to his back. He's yeah. he's eating some shots to the legs. He's getting punched in the face. Just really not much offense either way, but it any of the offense came from Aldo. So the one thing you always have to give your eye favor, even in these fights where he wasn't the better man. Um, and, and there were a lot of them where he clearly just wasn't the better man. I mean, he, he had a time where he was the, you know, considered the best in the world or perhaps the best in the world, depending on where you thought he was compared to kid Yamamoto uh, over in Japan or anybody like that. Um, but favor, he always brought it and he never gave up. Like even in that second fight against uh, Mike Brown, he bro- I think he had broken both hands and he's just throwing elbows. Mm-hmm. Do you remember yeah. that fight? Yep. That that proved a lot to me about the type of fighter he is in the sense that even when he when it's basically over, he's still going to keep going. Um, And much the same here. But yeah, I mean, there's really I, I almost feel like two things happen without that one. I think he was starting to run out of gas because we saw in, you know, at this period, of his career and, and going forward. Uh, and this was his first five round fight that went that far we should say. So this was new territory for him. But we had a lot of issues with Aldo kind of looking decent in rounds, you know, five in particular, like he had uh, against Mark Hominick in that fight we talked about a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, just It wasn't the same fighter at that point in the time. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, it, it almost seemed like he really just wasn't interested in getting the finish anymore. It was like it was like he was like, all right, I proved my point. I'm not going to try and risk anything. Exactly. So, and it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, this is this is only a 10-9 round for Aldo because there's just not a lot being landed. When he's landing, it's stronger. It's obvious. It's easy. It's not a question. Yeah, so 10-9, easy score. Um, that puts us at my final is 50 to 41 for Aldo. And yours is 50 to 40. Quite I think that score. tells the tale of the difference in skill that these uh men were able to put forth during this fight. We haven't had many double digit wins on the show. No, I think, did we have one fight one time that was like 50 to 39 or something? I really got to put these into a spreadsheet so I can go back and look them up <laughs> real quick. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I think I'll do that, that sometime. Now I'll have to look that up. But uh, for another day, the actual judges, the ones whose opinions counted at that time using a score uh, scoring system that actually was applied as opposed to our fictional one, a Blardo and Doc Hamilton had it 49 to 45 for Aldo. And Dan Stell had 50 to 45 for Aldo. So that score is obvious. We know that was just 10 nines down the board. The other one, you know, because 49 45, you've got one round for Faber and you've got at least one, well, not, not at least, but you have a 10 8 round for Aldo in there from each of the judges. They could have disagreed on the 10 8 potentially, but, and they could have potentially disagreed on the 10 9 for Faber. But what do you think? Round one is the, the 10 9 Faber that they gave? Round one. I mean, that's the only one it could be. It, it really, it would be a uh, very uh, odd if any of the other rounds were given to Faber. Is it weird? That I'm would, more that would kind of be a like a, a misappropriation of judging. Is it is it weird that I'm more upset with the fifty forty five than I am the forty nine forty fives? No, but I, I I think I'm actually I would say of the two I would actually pick the forty nine forty five as a more easier score to give out than the fifty to forty five because you're basically just saying a fifty forty five. You don't believe that a 10-8 could Exists. possibly happen. Yeah, that yeah that, that irks me. Yeah. Uh, but then as far as the 10-8, I think it would have to be round four because that's obviously the, the round where there was just three Ds were checked so easily, right? I mean, yeah, it's the one that just stands out. And I'm, I, I'm actually going to Google this real quick and look this up as quick as I possibly can. But I was looking at the stats earlier today. And the fourth round of this fight, Uriah Faber was credited with zero significant strikes landed in the fourth round. Zero. Now, it's significant strikes, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about how I think it's stupid to call significant strikes when the rest of them are not just called anything. They're just part of the total. Insignificant strikes. Uh, but the the total strike total between these two, uh, total strike total, <laughs> is uh, Aldo landed 83 of 86 in this round. Uri Faber landed 5 of 10. And those strikes were almost certainly off his back and didn't do anything. Nothing. So, yeah, I think it's it's so easy to call this one a 10-8 round, uh, even at the time, I would have to think. And it, uh, I would think that's probably what Bilardo and Hamilton were seeing, right? For sure. I mean, this, we'll go with that. Yeah, if there's a 10-8 in this fight. It's it's round four. I think so. Uh, but that's it. You know, like I said, this is a, this is a very lopsided uh, scorecard. I think. This is, to a T, what we're looking for with, like you say, in the spiel, a, a score that more accurately reflects, reflects what happens in a fight. I think 49 to 45 doesn't really begin to tell the story of what happened in this fight. I don't think 50 to 45 does. I think 50, 41 and 50, 40 are pretty good representations of how out of his depth Uriah Faber was on uh, that night 11 and a half years ago. I mean, it showed us how really good a 23 year old is, I mean, Joe Rogan's calling him, you know, pound for pound, the best on the air. And one, one thing I love from Goldie, oh, sorry, you finished. I didn't want to interrupt. And you. it also showed just, I mean, how tough Uriah Faber really is. Cause he took a beating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but you reminded me, I'm glad uh, that you did. Goldie at one point says, Mike Goldberg, the inimitable Mike Goldberg, uh, said that, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but it was something to the effect of that you get the sense watching these these two guys that these are definitely some of the best uh, 145 pounders in the world. And I'm like, I think they're obviously the best, or at least Aldo is, right? No? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what we're, especially from their perspective, shouldn't it just be obvious? No? <sighs> Goldie. We should bring, Goldie's got to come back. 
UFC 300, bring him back. Why are you doing that? UFC 300, bring him back. No. I love bring him. him. Let, let him just sit cage side. Get get a smile and a thumbs up because he never got like the proper goodbye that the UFC probably could have just given the guy. As much as I didn't love his style even then. Um, and now I love to joke about it. He was part of the product for a long time. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of like, yeah, you're done. See ya. I don't. I wonder if the the cameraman or the director has a job. Um, because they after Goldie got you know canned or not renewed, whatever terminology or you know whatever he the was. Services were no longer required. He was at the BJ Penn Frankie Edgar trilogy fight. Uh, I won't mention that fight, but uh. You know, they take shots at the crowd and they got, there's Goldie drinking a beer, like yelling at the camera and it went on the broadcast. They didn't mention him by name. They thought he was just a fan. So I'm curious if they got upset about that or if they, I mean, I don't think they would have put him on, on, on TV. You know, when you were looking for a term before to describe his, uh, his end with the UFC. Yeah. You know what you meant to say? What? It is all over. (laughs) There should be, we should just have an alternate track of Goldie commentary for every event. It's the same. You just take it from any other fight. He says the same five things. But I love it. You like your comfort food, I guess. I do. Your 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 Thanksgiving Day sides, right? Yep. There you go. All right, that's enough of this one. Let's look ahead again to the weekend uh, with all the bantamweight action going on. We'll start with UFC. That's UFC Vegas 44. Look for that hashtag out there. Uh, get your numbers right. I was see. I get mixed up sometimes. I have to like type in the hashtag number, right? And I try to type in UFC Vegas. Like let's say last week 43. Mm-hmm. Or last time, it was 43. But sometimes it will, like, autocomplete and say 43. And then sometimes it will only give me 42, 41, and 44. Like It skips them. You know what? Twitter's algorithm. Like, Twitter, this is what you do. This is your whole company. You can't figure this out? Just give me the right hashtag. <laughs> it's not hard. Anyway, uh, that's my little rant. We got Fontenaldo. I like this fight. I do. I mean, it's easy to like it, right? This is going to be a fun fight. What's your instinct on fun it? I mean, fight. do you do you have someone you're rooting for, or are you just looking for for fun action? What do you what do you want? I don't have any like interest in it, like as far as um, rooting interest. Ro- yeah, no rooting interest. Okay. Uh, as a fight fan, just want to see it. I am leaning Jose Aldo by decision, but I would not be surprised if Rob Font, you know, you know, takes it. So I feel pretty good about a Rob Font decision, actually. All right. And I'm not, I wouldn't rule that Aldo, but I'd probably feel more confident in Font than you do in Aldo. Well, here's my thing. The, the last fight with Rob Font, I think Garbrandt looked horrible. Uh, so I don't know exactly how how good that helps Font look. Like, was, it, I, was Font I thought that highly good? of Font for a while, though. Right, yeah, I agree. But was Font that good, or was Cody just that bad? I, 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 I don't know. I look at it as kind of a little bit more ships passing in the night, and I do think very highly of Rob Font. So that when I say that I think he's better now than Jose Aldo, I don't think that Jose Aldo stinks or anything like that. I just I have a very high opinion of Rob Font. I think he would be a very interesting challenger for the Bantamweight title against uh, our current interim champion, uh, who is still the best 135 pounder in the world. Peter Yan. Sorry, Aljo. You're probably second best, but um, even though you got the belt. I, I, I just I have a very strong opinion of him. I think he's a really talented guy. So Aldo, I think he beats most guys still even 135 pounds, but he's not quite there for this one. And, and, you know, he's not I don't think he actually fades as bad as he used to in fights. But I would still say that is that is something that against someone like Rob Font could be problematic. I think Font, Font will be stronger as the fight goes on, whereas Aldo 
probably won't be at his strongest as he was earlier on. He's a three. He should be a three round fighter at this point. But he also should be a main eventer. I know he's in so, a weird space, right? Yeah. I think he's better suited at this point, especially to fight in three round fights. But what are you going to do? I mean, he, Jose Aldo, you you ought to feature this guy, and you ought to feature him against guys who could be competing for a title sometime. This is a perfect booking, and I do think Rob Font is going to win by decision. All right. Well, I got Aldo decision. We'll remember these. This will be easy. This is, this is an easy one. It's the same thing, <laughs> yeah. just one way or the other. Um, any any other fights you were interested in, Dan? Honestly, I think this is a decent card. I, like Top to bottom, there's actually some pretty decent fights on the whole. Yeah, I'm interested in Jamal Hill and Jimmy Crute. That should be pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Hill, he made the big mistake of following uh, Paul Craig down to the ground and playing that game with him. I think he hopefully has learned since then. Keep it up where it's standing. I know he, he's got the grappling props, but... Man, go with your strength. He's got, you know, yeah, he's got that power over, vol- you know, volume type striking. Who, uh, Hill? No, it's 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 that's volume. What, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he's got power through volume. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I see, I understand. I misunderstood yeah. you. And uh, I'm going to pick him TKO, second round. I also will go with that, actually. I'm going to go exactly what you had against Jimmy Crude. Although Jimmy Crude's tough. Like, he's a really interesting, uh, he's basically still a prospect, too. Um but I, I think Hill is better. I have a high opinion of, of uh, Jamal Hill as a current 205-pound, you know, rising potential contender. I mean, it is crazy that Jimmy Crude has a submission win over Paul Craig. Yes. So. These things happen. Maybe he'll sub him, In too. In MMA. I mean. As someone once said. <laughs> <laughs> MMA math doesn't always work out, though. No, it doesn't. So. Uh, it really, it rarely does. Uh, <laughs> it's basically just a fun talking point that you just say, oh, neat, moving on. <laughs> I guess sometimes if the style lines up, it can make sense. But otherwise, yeah, not so much. Uh, me, though, I'm, I'm certainly looking to that fight as well. But uh, Brad Riddell and uh, Rafael Faziev at 135 pounds, that is going to be uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> that should be fireworks. The, I, I think that's, the, I believe it's the co-main event, although I don't know that they've actually set the bout order yet. So it may not be for all I know it's going to end up on the prelims. Probably shouldn't, but... Um, yeah, that's going to be a really good fight. I do think they'll make it the distance. I, I just I see it being one of those three round a potential five fight of the night, three round like exciting fireworks, like you said. So I'll go with uh, I do really like Rafael Faziev, but I'm going to pick uh, Brad Riddell. I think he'll land the harder shots. I'm going to go with Faziev. Okay, decision, decision, decision as well. Ooh. I think we will have rounds from this fight to discuss. I can see it. And I sure. think uh, Twitter is going to lose its mind over some of them. I think we'll definitely have and... fights to, uh, rounds to discuss from the main event, too, I should say. Yeah, we should. Mm-hmm. We definitely should. Especially and early. also, another fight that we'll probably have uh, some rounds to discuss is a uh, Clay Guida fight. Oh, yes. Clay so, Guida is in action. He's fighting Leonardo Santos. So Leonardo Santos is such a weird, has such a strange UFC career because he, he had all these, like, he, he had all the momentum in the world. He had... Uh, some really impressive wins. I'm going to pull him up really quickly um, because he was he was really somebody who I thought could actually become like a decent contender at lightweight. And then he pretty much just wasn't fighting. And I don't remember why in particular. Yeah, he beat Kevin Lee. He beat Kevin Lee. Then he was he off had got, a while. Yeah, he, so, so this was his UFC. Actually, let's go all the way back to World Victory Road. Do you, did you ever watch those uh, Sengoku events from World Victory Road back in the day? No. So this is like in that post-Pride uh, period where Dream, World Victory Road uh, were kind of like the the two events that had probably some of the better worldwide talent, and they were fighting in Japan. 
Um, so yeah, he, he, if you go all the way back to his career at this point, he was fighting then. He makes his way over to the UFC in 2013, and he goes, let's see, from the start of 2013 through 2016, he went 5-0-1 and one, five, oh and one with the draw against Norman Park. He had a submission victory over Anthony Rocco Martin. He won a decision over Efrain Scudero. He TKO'd Kevin Lee. And then he comes back after three years away, almost three years away, and he knocks out Stevie Ray, wins another one over Roman Bogatov in that weird fight where, where Bogatov was deducted two points last year. So at this point now, he's he's won in his UFC career, coming into his most recent fight this year. He was 7-0-1 seven and, seven, oh and one over the course of seven years. Very strange career. I would have loved to have seen what he could have done if he was more active. <laughs> but anyway, he lost, uh, knocked out uh, uh, with a second to go against Grant Dawson earlier. That's got to be the, the latest stoppage in a three-round fight, right? I can't get any later than that. You can. I don't guess. forget uh, you don't what happened to Mirab. That's right. Didn't answer the bell. He didn't answer the bell at the end of the third round. That is the latest stoppage you can possibly get. Okay. But probably this would, I would think this is probably the latest, like, straight-up knockout you can get. Although, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> neither here nor there. But yeah, I'm interested in that fight, too, Clay Guida. Um, he's still, he's still hanging in there. He's, he's still dancing around, bouncing around, getting slapped around by his brother. Crazy. Never, ever ends. I don't know when he's going to stop fighting. <laughs> Probably when they tell him to stop or he's just got more fishing he wants to do. Oh yeah. He's a fisher. Oh, huge fisherman. Uh, you you don't know that? They I talk about this all the time. No. He's a big fisherman. I would have known that. You know what? I want to see him against, uh, Gregor Gillespie and then they should do a second round in which they go fishing to see which one is the better <laughs> fisherman. That would be fun. Actually, for all I know, they fought already. I can't even remember. Um, but yeah, it, it's honestly this this whole card has a lot of fights I'm very interested in. Uh, we'll see which ones make it to the day. Um, but I, I like it. Yeah, I think it should be good. And that one starts at uh, it's, it's a late one again. Actually, it's a 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time main card, uh, which we hadn't had as many of with these fight nights. It, this is kind of like a pay per view uh, time slot, which actually probably makes it easier for me because I've had a harder time watching these midday fights live. Yeah. Maybe they're trying. You know what I think it is? I think they're trying to avoid, and this probably favors for you. They're trying to avoid all the college football championship game action. Yeah, right I mean, well, there's some there's some noon games uh, also happening. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's it's going to be easy for them to avoid if they put it later at night. So smart, yeah. smart, uh, intelligent design, I should say. Although, if they would just put this on a Wednesday, like I'm always pushing for, then they avoid it entirely. Exactly. Do it on Wednesday night. Hell yeah. Do all fight nights on Wednesday nights. There's nothing going on. It's stupid Wednesday. Who cares? Yeah, there's nothing on TV on Wednesday. That's right. I think Survivor's on Wednesday. Who cares? I, I mean, I, I hate I hate reality TV. Well, I love drama. Yeah, I like drama. Like, scripted drama. No, real drama. We're on, we're on the opposite ends here, sir. Yeah. Mm. Agree to disagree, I suppose. But we before we go to, we could wrap this up. Bellator 272 is the night before. And like I said, this is this is a honestly, I'm probably more interested in this fight than I am in the Font Aldo fight. To be honest with you, Sergio Pettis again putting the belt on the line, the Bellator belt uh, that he won from Juan Archuleta earlier this year against Kyoji Huraguchi, who is very much one of the best 135 pounders on the planet. Someone I would love to see fight Peter Yan to see if who's better. I don't know who's better at 135 pounds between him and Yan. I really don't know that. Um, we'll see at least if he can get that belt back against Pettis. Do you, do you have any strong opinions on this fight? I know you, you're not. Yeah, I'm, you probably I'm, don't remember uh, Horiguchi as much. I did uh, my research. You did? Okay, good. Horiguchi has only ever lost to 
to Mighty Mouse in the UFC. And he, I mean, he got knocked out recently, but then he avenged it right away with a first-round knockout. That he did. So, I mean, Horiguchi is going to wipe the floor with, with Pettis. This, I do think he outclasses him. This I won't even be about a, that. This won't be anything I, interesting. I, it's not that I disrespect Sergio Pettis, although, you know, depending on your opinion, maybe I do. I don't think he is top 10 UFC bantamweight. And I do think Kyoji Horiguchi is potentially the best bantamweight in the world. Pettis uh, lost. Looking like, at that, it's hard to pick against Horiguchi. <laughs> Pettis lost like six fights in the UFC. Yeah, well, he so, came to the UFC very young. I don't want to use that against him. Oh, no. This is where I'm using MMA math and where it works. Ah, okay, sure. This is where it works mm-hmm. with no fail. <laughs> he's getting, he's going to get either dominated for five full rounds, like we just did Aldo Faber, yeah. or he's going to get like knocked out second round. Which one you're picking? Knockout second round. I'm going to go with Horiguchi wins by fourth round submission. Omoplata? Because I have to put a pick out there. Omoplata. But Horiguchi's going to win. Omoplata? Sure. It can be Omoplata. That makes you happy. All right. That makes me happy. I'll be happier if it's a go-go, but you know. <laughs> as long as there's a Plata in there, one of us is happy. You'd be, you'd be thrilled to see a go-go Plata. I would be ecstatic. Yeah. Just yeah. not as much if it was, as if it was an Omoplata. Yes. All right. Fair enough. Uh, anyone else that you're interested uh, in watching uh, fight on this card? Uh, you know, the Bellator cards obviously are, are not necessarily as stacked deep as the UFC can can do, but I do think there's actually some interesting fights here. Yeah, what do you got? I want to see uh, Kai Kamaka, who I think was wrongly cut by the UFC, even though he did lose three in a row, because realistically, he could be, depending on how certain people scored it, like this could be a guy who is three and one in the UFC. I think based on the way we have scored, his fights in the past on our show, we would have him at uh, two, two and one, or excuse me, two, one and one. Okay, that's not a guy you cut from the UFC. I think he's he's he comes to bang. He's interesting. He's fun. So I think he was a, he was wrongfully cut, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, his Bellator debut against John De Jesus at 145 pounds. Let's do it. And this one being at Mohegan Sun, we will probably see the same typical judges that we often get uh, over at Mohegan Sun, which uh, you know probably guys like Brian Miner, um, Doug Crosby might be there. Our favorite, um, you know, David Peabody, maybe Michael Murtha. Uh, sometimes you get some of the other traveling judges out there, depending on who's in Vegas for this particular event or another. But I, I imagine it'll be a lot of the the typical guys that we do see out that way. Maybe, maybe even Eric Cologne, who, you know, sometimes he's out in Vegas. Sometimes he's uh, Mohegan. Uh, we'll see. Maybe Dave Torelli. Even. We shall see. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving as well. Uh, we will be back again next week to talk about uh, you know the UFC action, probably some of some of the the more major Bellator happenings, at least and the the Pettis or Gucci fight, right? Yes, uh, we will be on Tuesday. We're dropping next week. That's right. We are delayed one day next week, uh, scheduling conflicts. So don't don't be surprised if it's not there uh, when you wake up on morning, uh, Monday morning next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care, everybody.